Yes, hello, Danos, and you're very nice, very evil, very famous. And I'm here to say hello and introduce you to the Wrestling Podcast of some sort. It is very nice, very evil, I, I am told. Uh, so listen to it, decide for yourself, or be cursed. Oh, no, it is recording. It is recording now, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we can cut this part out, or this can be our cold open. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> um, hey everyone and welcome to Wrestling's All Elite Listening Podcast where we're all in on AEW. I'm Alex, one of the co-hosts, and joining me today is Amex Sharp. Hello, hello Alex, you are back. My attempt to condition you into joining GCW didn't work yet. We'll try again next time. <laughs> Alright, cut this out of the podcast because I don't want to say uh, controversial things, but I actually didn't love that match either but speedball is really good and even everybody's really good everybody's really good i don't have to love every match it's fine <laughs> you were like talking to me about it and i wanted to defend it and i was like <sighs> i do not use the phrase spot fast very often but i was watching that match and i was like if there is a story to this match, I am um, is in a different language. I I I think before you pass judgment on Speedball, you should watch uh, Jersey Jacob because I thought it was yes, really good. Yes, I'm gonna watch more of... matches. I, yeah. as like uh, as we were speaking about, I think it might have actually been a Vikingo issue, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, like like I said, um, Vikingo's really good, but I do think that he's using some of these indie matches to like experiment with like some wild shit. And um, he did, but there was and, no cohesion to the match. Yeah, there were some other matches I've seen with him where I'm like, this is very impressive, and the pacing is not impressive, not impressive. But that's okay. Um, not everything has to be all things all of the time. Um, this has nothing is... to do with AEW. <laughs> But what is impressive, though, is the ticket sales for All In. Ah, ah I stepped on your transition. My apologies. Yeah, they sure are. There is so much cope on the Twitter machine. It's all, uh, it's all ticket uh, scalpers that are buying it. Oh, my God. All right, you and I have talked about this before, but... <laughs> Having a lot of scalpers buy tickets is not the flex y'all think it is. No. Scalpers do not buy things in great volume because they have kindness in their hearts. They just feel really bad for uh -huh. the, for these multinational companies. Right. You know, they didn't they didn't buy um PS5s because nobody wanted them or RTX 30 cards because nobody wanted them. They bought them because you were willing to pay more than they were worth. Right. And shockingly enough, uh-huh. people are willing to pay more than the face value of tickets for all in because everybody who is an AEW fan that is capable of traveling to this event wants to fucking go right because they know it's going to be a big event and one thing about aew you know you can criticize aew for a lot of things and lord knows that we do but one thing about aew is that they put on a show yeah consistently they put on extremely good shows and they really do splash out for big events and they have a reputation for it at this point 
So people are willing to like shell out the money because they know that this is going to be like the event to be at. And it, it really is. They don't have it to is. announce matches for us to know this. This is well, just that's the thing. Like they haven't announced the match. They haven't announced a single match. They've no. got people on the poster that presumably now we can say will be there because sure. they don't really do false advertising. But they sold 35,000 tickets on the first day. And the first day was essentially people who are fight subscribers. Yeah. I said when they, when they announced it, I don't think that there's a huge risk in announcing a show at, at Wembley, match it, no. the card set or not, because it'll, like we haven't had a pay-per-view over here for 30 years. Um, That's what I was but, thinking too. Like there are so many like UK and European wrestling fans that just like don't get shows. So of course, like the one time that you guys are getting a big show, like of course everybody's want, going to want the European to event. It. Like, but yeah, like, I think this might be a perception that, like, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. There might be a, a perception of how prohibitive travel is because, like, from an American perspective, but it's actually cheaper for me to fly to Germany than it is for me to get a train to London. Like uh-huh. getting getting to the UK to watch this is not an expense for people in Europe. Right, right. Yeah, so it's, yeah, I had an idea that it would be like, it's not just the UK, right? It's all of Europe. But yeah, I think- Yeah, I mean, I just traveled I, to Sweden for uh, for a couple of days and my flights were 30 pounds, like- Yeah, that's, uh, um, that's just not something I think that is intuitive to americans <laughs> right yeah and, and i think that that to other countries be, because i have it, seen quite a few people saying you know like oh there's not enough fans in the uk it's like well it doesn't matter if there's not enough fans in the uk because there's enough fans in europe right yeah we're talking <laughs> all of europe exactly um and maybe that's just something that didn't quite translate for a lot of people um when they were or maybe they just really really badly wanted to dunk on AEW and are uh and are yeah. uh you know having a big cope about it now because in group out group bullshit um yeah yeah but what we need to like i guess acknowledge as fans of wrestling rather than um you know tribalist nonsense is that it's taken it, WWE were in business for 35 years before they held a pay-per-view or I think maybe even in Europe and it's really taken AEW four years and it's almost been 30 years since they, since WWE held like a big pay-per-view in the UK I think the that's last so... one was SummerSlam like 1995 or something like that that's so interesting I mean you know AEW was started by people who um, have a very firm understanding of like having international fans right yeah (laughs) you know kenny kenny omega alone like has tons of international fans like they have done you know big loops on the independent scene in in the uk like they know how activated um international fans of wrestling are so there there is at least like we have at least started with the perception that you know there are international fans and they 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 do want to see wrestling so there is that at least um 
and and yeah i mean it's cool i'm glad they're doing it i wish they hadn't i don't i don't like that they're calling it all in i don't i don't like it <laughs> i wish it was something else i wish it was a different thing instead i don't know i it's not quite the same it feels like it has the same we're betting on ourselves energy because Wembley is a colossally sized stadium like it's 90,000 seated yeah and yeah. like um, they're you know like a safer bet would have been you know the stadium that Tony Khan owns Craven Cottage you know like 40,000 or something like that um, yeah but they've they're not they're going for the biggest stadium in the uk um i mean one of the biggest is... stadiums in the in europe and that feels like a kind of like an all-in moment there there is that but i feel i for me like all in itself is like very connected to the elite and the independent yeah. scene you know like it wasn't just a triumph for like wrestling or for for a particular company like it was a triumph for fans of independent wrestling and like yeah. the sort of you know independent wave of popularity that was happening at the time it's like it's just like it just doesn't quite feel the same when it's a multi-million dollar company run by a billionaire who's betting all in like okay oh that's <laughs> you know fair I mean? yeah i just there's just and it's just like for me, you know, like all in is there there's something about it that's like before like the big, you know, money TV deals and like before like the networks and before the whatever, like there was just these people who were really good at wrestling, who inspired a lot of fans to support them just by really being really good at wrestling. And I think that there's something really special about that. And I, I, I just want that to be that. I don't, I don't want it to be folded in with the rest of it. And like, maybe that's just a personal problem. It probably is just a personal problem, but as somebody who really cared about and identified with that, really like independent spirit of it all it's just like a little it's a little bit of a bummer <laughs> yeah i guess like um moving on from that pocket of time is different like also the um it's almost it was almost like a a fuck you kind of we're gonna do this attitude but yeah like having a like a billionaire backing it is a little bit of a different sentiment isn't it yeah, a billionaire who uh, sure does love to take all of the credit for starting AEW, where, I don't know, like, like you know, in, in all access, they're like, Tony Khan had an amazing vision for a new company. And I was like, all right, but like, kind of, you were the guy who was like there at the right time when all of these contracts were all of these like big stars were were coming up and you happened to have the money and the connections at the time it's a little yeah, bit there different was a, there was a colossal confluence of coincidence yeah. that led to that to led to aw starting and it wouldn't have started without like the proof of concept and and all in right um, right that was that was the confidence that um tv studios probably needed to show that there was actually like 
um, a market in the gap in the market for a second show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, we and like all in was only possible because of the work of all of these independent wrestlers who had yeah. been, you know, busting their asses on the independent scene for years and years and years and years. Yeah. Who who were able to get that. And like that's what all in means to me. Um Yeah, that's absolutely fair. Yeah. But you know, it's it's cool that they'll, you know, sell a bunch of tickets to Wembley and it'll be a great show and like it, it's cool like it'll be a cool event so i'm happy for that i'm happy that it looks like it's gonna be pretty successful it seems fun i'll finally get cj white live yay i've seen quite a few wrestlers live but he's one live yeah 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 it's yeah that'll be a lot of fun that'll be a lot of fun yeah. but yeah that's that's kind of how i feel about about all in like it'll be a fun show like it's gonna be a great show um that i can say for sure and you know if they don't sell out they'll come damn close i think yeah i think they will i mean the tickets on the tickets go on sale tomorrow (laughs) this is pre like everything that's been sold up until this point is pre-sale yeah i mean there's Uh, like an argument for that you know, just based on the fan base of AEW, everybody who wants a pre-sale code would have gotten a pre-sale code. And, like, how many people are going to be waiting for general sale to get these tickets? Who knows? But <laughs> My mate is. He couldn't get a ticket through the, through the, through the pre-sale. He's <laughs> fucking raging. <laughs> Rip to that, that man. Is it, um, the, our group chat, my friend was like, I'm on, that sucks. Hopefully you get one on Friday, but um, if not, we'll send you pictures. <laughs> <laughs> That's brutal. <laughs> yeah, I was almost tempted to, like, I was tempted for like a second to be like, maybe that would be worth a trip to the UK. You know, I have family over there and stuff. Yeah. Um, But... Yeah, I was just like, I'll go to Forbidden Door instead. It's fine. Oh, have you got tickets to Forbidden Door? I've got tickets to Forbidden Door. I'm very excited. Uh, I'm very to go excited. Door. Yeah, I um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very excited. <laughs> it's gonna be a good yeah. time. Be a difficult one to justify to my wife while summer on about buying a house. It's like, right, I'm gonna fuck off to Canada for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. I could see why I could see why she may have a critique or two with that game plan. Yeah, probably. But still, yeah, that's that's another again. Um, I know that it's in a different market that they haven't really uh, explored so far. But they sold out another show without a single match announced. Right, right. And um, within basically minutes as well. Yeah, although I remember my, so, like, the first, like, Canada show that my friend could go to, uh, they bought tickets to, and um, it was, like, during the time that the Elite were suspended, and, like, she was absolutely livid, and it was also, like, I remember vividly, it was a really bad show. <laughs> and I was watching it and I was like, oh no, thoughts and prayers. 
Oh, that sucks. There was like Jeff Jarrett nonsense and like probably a 20 minute MJF promo. Who knows? Um, but I remember it was a, it was really rough. That uh, happened so- to me when I went to a football match. Like I went to sit like the, there was a football player, Messi. Best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, finally got tickets to go and see him play Barcelona versus Celtic. And for he never gets injured. But he just never, he's always fit. Fucker was uh-huh. injured for that match. Oh, how dare he? I know, right? <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> how much he inconvenienced me. Yeah, how dare he get injured and inconvenience you personally? <laughs> but yeah. Sit among football fans and not see Messi. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. But yeah. So, but like, hopefully, hopefully there will be no incidents that preclude talent on being at any of these upcoming shows that although segue to fuck off phil i have been trying so hard <laughs> not to talk about mr philip brooks because mr philip brooks so desperately wants me to talk about him all of the time and you know the thing about children when they act out for attention is that if you provide them with that attention, even if it's negative attention, they just learn to keep doing that behavior. Um, But unfortunately, um, nobody listens to me. (laughs) So I guess, uh, I guess we are now rewarding attention seeking behavior for their, with their own show, allegedly. Is that the plan? Yes. Um, I don't know. Like, I wonder how that would work. It might work if I went and um, punched my boss. Do you think they'd give me a subsidiary company? Right. <laughs> Do you think they'd, like, build up their, you know, like, your own office building just for you and your friends um, to just be away from everybody else? Do you think Maybe that if I was bringing in millions of pounds worth of business. Then they could then they could maybe justify the creation of a two tier uh, ramification system. Right, right, right. A two, a, a two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you make this much money, you uh, okay you do don't have to experience consequences. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just. I. It really is. So it's so. To to run it back a little bit, right? So apparently, we have this new tv show for aew called collision apparently so people are kind of like piecing things together from like sources in companies and like trademarks that are filed but nothing's been announced nothing's can i just say that there's sorry there's been so much bullshit about this like that going on that when i first seen the name i my brain read it as collusion and accepted it It was about a day and a half before I realized it was called Collision. That's incredible. I love that, actually. Um, beautiful, beautiful stuff. Um, but yeah, so it's apparently going to be a show on Saturday. A one hour, two hours, whatever. I remember when they were first talking about it before F- Mr. Brooks um, was even factored into the discussion. I was like, I ain't watching that. Because five hours... 
just counting just counting the stuff on TV, I don't watch Darker Elevation uh, because I hate squash matches. But like five hours of AEW television a week when I don't even get to watch a lot of the wrestling that like I really, really like to watch. Like I can't I can't do that. It's too much. It's too much. So I was already not going to watch it. But this idea that we'll have like separate crews and the the term brand split has been bandied about. I don't know how much whatever truth there is to that. But like that's absurd. Like that's ridiculous. That's that's ridiculous. Just to bring this person in, that's absurd, right? I yeah. Uh, I will con I will continue to liken it to this. Like um it reminds me of when Luis Suarez was um an absolute disgrace on the pitch. Um and anybody else who had behaved in that manner sacked by the club and probably breach of contract. Um but they made allowances um that they wouldn't have done for anyone else because of his market value and it just it I've, you keep you keep fading in and out i'm so sorry i don't know what's sorry, happening. is this any better uh probably it like fades in yeah. and out cool um, um but yeah like it just it's not i've said it before it just doesn't sit right with me because we all know that if peter avalon had of um punched the young bucks he would have been gone faster than we can say or type his name yes and i don't hate cm punk we were speaking about this before i don't think he's a monster i don't think he's a great person i just think he is a dickhead and um he is essential like i mean we don't we don't obviously know if there's been any like disciplinary actions backstage or whatever because they've fairly rightfully kept everything quiet about this but the public perception is and because we don't know any better is that it actually he's got off kind of like essentially scot-free and is now being rewarded with a, a tv show that uh warner brothers are putting a lot of fucking money behind and cm Park and uh tony khan is putting a lot of money behind and it from the sounds of it there's going to be an entirely different crew so there's a massive expense going behind this He's essentially been rewarded for something that would have got almost anybody else on the roster fired. And it's not just CM Punk that shows that shitty behavior. Like that to me shows that Tony Khan doesn't know like how to be a manager because like he has implicitly created a tiered system where it is actually okay to to behave like an absolute prick and assault your colleagues so long as you bring in enough money yeah yeah and it's like it's so it's so aggravating um having to look at those takes on the internet because i am being forced to look at them right it's (laughs) i can't simply log off uh, but, like, it's so frustrating because everybody will be like, oh, well, you know, sports teams will get into fights and then pull together and win a game or, you know, USC this or whatever. Just, like, a bunch – just, like, 
throwing out examples of like, well, these men behaved badly and were able to accomplish something. So why can't they? And it just like, it misses the point on several different levels. Like one of the levels is like, it's just not appropriate to go around punching people because you're in a, like you, you're in an argument with them. Like that's just not appropriate behavior. Um, and it's the reason that the elite were there to begin with was because punk was being wildly and blatantly disrespectful not just to them but to the company that he's in and the owner of that company who was sitting right next to him so it's like rewarding that is not just rewarding the behavior for you know punching a colleague but it's rewarding the behavior for being disrespectful yeah he which, brought the company into disrepute basically right and and so when you were reward someone for acting disrespectfully to towards you because he did act disrespectfully towards yeah. tony like if you reward somebody for doing that like what makes you think what did he pinky swear that he'll never do it again when has that ever happened when have you ever like been in an interaction with somebody who does the same thing over and over and over again and then you say okay well this time you behave right and then they behave right like why would they (laughs) they've never experienced the consequence i mean it was a similar issue with andrade wasn't there where he punched sammy guevara Mm, mm, they didn't Um, give him his own show i'll notice no they didn't did they no really interesting also this is another thing right it's really weird because i remember i remember when punk first came back and everybody was so happy right and we were all like watching like punk and like like and everybody was having a great time and i remember like i kept hearing all of this stuff about how punk wasn't a real draw anymore he wasn't a draw he wasn't drawing the numbers look at these numbers look at how much rampage fell off like punk's not a draw that's all i heard that's all i heard until all out 2022 and all of a sudden punk is such a huge draw that you can't afford to not let him do whatever he wants to do and disrespect whoever he wants to disrespect and hit anybody who wants to hit and like do weird inappropriate moves like dropping backstage at wwe like weirdo behavior um i love how he went to 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 impact at the weekend to sort of neutralize his own bullshit oh is that what he did that wasn't nearly as newsworthy as the uh, wwe one oh he went to support uh trinity fatu in her debut Um, good great to me did not read supporting trinity fatu in her debut it read i am neutralizing the nonsense that is going on around me because it just looks like i am doing the cm punk bullshit tour i mean i mean yeah yeah it's so like i don't know to me his behavior has been so transparent um these past few months where it's just been like you know oh he says this and that oh he says he wants to work with the elite oh look at him he's squashing the beef with the miz oh this oh that oh the third thing and like they're so public 
And then he's got his buddies who are like echoing also, it. Fuck off with that. Like, oh, he wants to work with the elite. All right, that that's not how that works. He assaulted somebody. It is not his choice whether somebody that wants to work with him. And yeah, the the when I said something like you like was on Twitter, um, the fucking residents of the of Muffin Mansion was getting on my fucking back because um, <laughs> I called the uh, the elite um, like because I referred to the elite as victims, which is a legal term. Like it wasn't an emo- an emotional evocative term. Legally, right. if they had to press charges, he, they would have been the victims. Um, yes. He's trying to criticize the the victims of his assault for not being professional and not wanting to work with them through um, Dax, who you can see his fucking hand up his ass. Um, this, the only person that has been unprofessional in this um, in this whole debacle is CM Punk and his dipshit puppet. My my thing about this whole thing, because like I see it sort of working in certain circles, and on like one hand, I sort of get it because like if you're a big fan of this guy, like you want to believe that things can work out and believe that he can, you know, I don't know, grow and change, or at least, or you know, just at least like be on television, or you want to believe that he didn't do anything wrong. Or, or maybe, you know, you you genuinely believe that, that he didn't do anything wrong. And it's like, okay, uh, clearly I don't agree. But there is something, there is something about, you know, kind of like looking at what people say versus looking at what they do. And also like evaluating the effect of those actions i feel like this was something that uh dax in particular either did not or could not sort of understand about the response to what he was saying and doing because he presented himself as being very genuine and wanting like certain stuff but the way that he said things and the effects that the things that he said had were pretty damaging. Yeah. And, you know, just because he didn't mean to do that, if he didn't mean to do that, doesn't mean that that didn't come off. And I will say that, you know, when it comes to like evaluating a situation like this, I think, you know, it's sort of like a big sort of like celebrity ish as far insofar as wrestlers are celebrities sort of like dust up kerfluffle and like it all seems like really like ridiculous and overcomplicated or whatever but what it really reminds me of is like a kind of dynamic that i learned in high school and college which is you have two friends who are beefing right two friends who are beefing with each other for one reason or another And one of those people is like, you know what, there was this thing happened, it was pretty personal, I don't really want to get into it, I don't want to talk about it, let's just focus on something else, right? And then you have the other party, who is going around, going to everybody, it's like, oh, I don't know how 
they could do this. I don't know how they could say this about me. All I want to do is be friends again. They won't talk to me. They won't answer my text messages. How could they abandon me like this? Like, I just don't understand why they can't forgive me. Like, I spoke to this guy that I went to middle school with who I argued with one time and he forgave me because it was long past the time where any of that shit would have been relevant at all. And I just don't understand. Like, that's the asshole. That's the asshole in that situation. (laughs) It's really obvious that that one is the asshole. You don't have to know anything else. And it's actually very important (laughs) to be able to judge when somebody is being an asshole. Yeah, but I would like to perform very impressive mental gymnastics to um, justify backing their faves when they have behaved like the the jackass. Couldn't be me. I just pick better faves. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) We spoke about this before recording. I don't hate CM Punk. I have a CM Punk t-shirt. I just think that he is actually more problematic than he is valuable. I also have a CM Punk also, t-shirt, he, unfortunately. Like, but like, also, I, all reports suggest that he assaulted his colleagues. There is no other walk of life that you are allowed to do that. Like, Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but he's such a big draw. He draws so much money, so he gets his own TV show. I... Honestly, there is no way for me, just knowing what I know about human behavior, there's just like no way in hell that this is going to end well. N- none, none whatsoever. This is a bad, yeah, but we'll I see. Mean, like, you don't need fucking prescience to know that this is going to happen again, and everyone's just going to be going, like, Well, who could have seen that coming? Who could have seen it coming? Who could have possibly known? So so unavoidable. So unavoidable. So tragic. If only. Well, you know. More positive, I guess. Yeah, Um, that's about as much energy as I want to spend on CM. Yeah. (laughs) More positive is that the I guess the pillars story has. This is so interesting. The pillar story. MTF has managed to get like something resembling charisma from Sammy Guevara. Oh my god. Okay. All right. So last we spoke about the pillars in general and um and Max in particular. I was very hard on them and I stand by that. However, it is truly incredible to me that somehow Sammy Guevara, who I don't care for, and MJF, who I also generally don't care for, together has like made me really buy it (laughs) i'm like i'm in i'm all the way in on this like they are fantastic together it's so funny it's so fun like it's been so good and like i i'm not a fan of like you know sammy and ty or whatever but like that bit on screen where she was like really dressing him down like that was really good <laughs> like i really yeah. enjoyed that and it's just like so 
you know, my friends and I, when we watch AEW, we basically just skip to the bits that we care about. So usually, you know, Max gets fast forwarded through these days, but we did stop to watch. We were like, we saw it. We were like, all right, what's going on here? We did stop to watch that bit. And then we were like, guess we're stopping to watch MJF bits now. He's been fantastic. This is the MJF that um, I loved when he was doing the Dictator John bits. This is or the um, the skits in Being the Elite where like he was trying to kill um, Dustin with the Master Sword. Right. right. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> this is the MJF that I've been willing to emerge on screen since he got sucked into the Jericho Vortex. Well, it's interesting, right? Like, there are things that are happening which are interesting. And, yeah. like, it's 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 things that are happening where, like, it's, it's not just the lowest common denominator stuff. Like, he's doing stuff that's, like, a little, a little clever, right? He's, he's yeah. being, you know, really manipulative and and you know turning people against each other in ways that make sense for their particular characterizations yeah right and then also when he came into the locker room today uh knowing that darby allen would come back yes 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 and like knowing was exploiting his trust issues and like i did like that um that they comment sorry i did i did like that they were commenting on that because it actually was quite a subtle thing it was it was it was subtle and it was pretty clever and it was well done and i think it spoke well like it really revealed the characters of everyone involved and i also think that you know libby who unfortunately could not join us tonight libby i think really called it when like a while back she says like the thing about mjf's whole character is that you kind of have to play it stupid and i think like that's sort of what he did with Sammy a bunch, like with these bits with Sammy. And I think that really bore that out because like, it was silly. It was fun. It was a great hook, right? It hooked me in when I was not willing to be hooked in. So it hooked me in. And then I stayed for all of like these, like psychological machinations that he's doing. And he's really sold the storyline and he's really sold the pay-per-view for me. Yeah, and... him and um, I think that him and Sammy have like absolutely like carried this story. It's they've done wonders. Yeah, yeah. I I would. A lot of people were like, "We want this duo for a really long time," and like I understand. Like I understand why they couldn't do this for too long. Yeah. Um. But like I, I I agree too because like this is the most that I've liked both of them and I don't even know how long maybe ever I I liked MJF at the start I liked him throughout the Dictator John stuff I even liked him throughout a lot of the um, the Jericho stuff because I quite liked the, the I don't know they had good chemistry with him and Jericho but um, since then, I've found him really grating because he does the same shit every every week. But this has been fantastic. This is the this, this is, is the sort of like um, creativity and on screen content that I wanted from MJF. Like, yes. like we all knew that he was capable of doing that. He just hasn't been doing it, and this has been fantastic. 
Yeah, yeah. It's been wonderful. Um, it's been wonderful. And like what I really don't want, which is I think what I'm going to get, what I really don't want is for like after this all goes goes down for him to just like go right back to his like whatever. I hope not. But yeah, I can it probably will go that way. And we will get we will go back to um calling the local team shit and disparaging the fans for cheap heat. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like like, that's not interesting. That's not compelling. But this stuff, the last couple of weeks with the pillars, it has been both interesting and compelling. I am compelled. Um, what I will say, though, is that Darby Allen and uh, Jack Perry should probably never be allowed to be on screen again together without someone else. Because, oh my god, I haven't seen two people with that lack of chemistry for a very fucking long time. <laughs> they are a bit of an odd pair, right? It's like their entire promos have been exposition because they don't know how to speak to each other as characters. And it's been painful to watch. It's like, I don't know if you've ever watched the dub for for Dragon Ball, but they'll explain things three or four times in, um, over the course of three or four scenes. And that it feels like I've been watching that when they're, you know, like every single every single scene with those two is like, you know, we don't like each other, but we're kind of similar. Every fucking scene, and it's yeah, they can't be on screen together after this. <laughs> but they're I can't the pillars, watch it. Alex. They're the pillars. That's true, but pillars quite are, you know, four different sides of the building. <laughs> so you think that they should be on opposite corners yes <laughs> <laughs> I mean like I would actually say that um, I don't know I, I don't hold out much praise for Darby Allen, but I would say that it's actually like um, he's kind of grown into it a little bit more than Jack Perry and um, it's kind of revealed like a real glaring weakness for Jack it's something that, he, that Perry needs to grow um, like he's not convincing on the mic at all, like, yeah. unless there unless there's intensity to what he's what he's doing. You know, like when he was chasing Christian, a lot of that was pretty good. But when but when it's like a, you know, just a a normal interaction, he's actually like, I would say bad. Like needs a manager level kind of on the mic. Yeah, I mean, like even his, I don't know, I. I can't really tell whether like him like me not really buying into his intensity even is like a personal problem or a him problem. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like for me Yeah, he's got he could be more rounded. He's wonderful in the ring. But yeah. as far as like charisma and presentation goes, it feels like he's still trying to like figure out where he is and what he's doing with that. And there are a fair. lot of people who are good in the ring, you know. I mean, it's fair though. Like out of the the four pillars, he's the person who has had the least exposure in the setting, so it stands to reason that he'll be the least refined, and that's okay. But um, he does really. He needs to be given the right tools to work with uh, in order to get better. 
and um, pairing him with Darby Allen might have seemed like a compelling idea, you know, like uh, because they're kind of like two polar opposite characters, really. But mm-hmm. yeah, as it like on screen, it just hasn't worked at all. I don't think. I think it's, yeah. Um, I'm kind of glad that we're past that little bit of the the story now. Well, you know, they could always put him back in a feud with Christian. Everyone loves Christian. Do they? I I I I don't know. Everyone seems to love Christian, but there is not a single cell in my body that can give a fuck about him and the big red raptor and his feud with um with Wardlow. In this, we could not be in more agreement. <laughs> <laughs> I what have they what have they done to my boy? They have massacred Lucas Luchasaurus. They have massacred the big my red boy. Raptor. He is Kane. I it is so disappointing. Somebody who is so charming, who was so beloved, and they just ruined him for no reason. I I'll, I'll never stop being bitter about either that or Marco. I'll never stop being bitter. Um, I mean, I'm not exactly sad that Marco is no longer there. Um, well, that's um bad. How was how was he a face for so long? He's an annoying little prick. He's adorable. And no, he's fun. not. He's an annoying little prick. He did the I Fortnite dance. That's what annoying little pricks do. <laughs> I think it's charming. He was so fun. <laughs> People love Marco. I love Marco. I miss Marco. I thought, and like he, I thought he brought like such a great energy to like them as a trio. I, I like they really lost something when they didn't have Marco. Um, I think, and they but extra they lost my some, attention. And they and they extra lost something when uh, Luchasaurus suddenly didn't have a master's degree and forgot how to talk. Um. I mean, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I I think that like um, Christians kind of. We've had this discussion before. Like you like um, the the goofy side of wrestling, but I think that, and obviously, like we don't need to love everything that is on the show. Sure. But I think the reason that Luchasaurus has been paired with Christian is to kind of. Or like take away that sort of dinosaur bullshit and present him as a monster because there's clearly something there to to Luchasaurus. Like he has a presence, you know. He does and, have a uh, presence, but like and I... I think that that is what they're trying to do. Like create another, maybe trying to create the Lan- the Lance Archer that they thought that they were going to get before they absolutely destroyed his credibility in the ring by feeding him to everyone. But, like, I, like, really hate that. And, you know, it's the same, I mean, it's the same conversation that we keep having, yeah. right? Um, Which is basically, like, we have a lot of that type of guy. We have a lot of, like, the monster type of guy. Like, we have a lot of, like, the very serious type of guy. And it's just, like, I, I didn't need Luchasaurus to also be another of those types of guys. Oh, and, that's fair enough. And, like, I don't even, like, enjoy, like, I don't even enjoy the type of guy that like Lance Archer was being presented as. So, you know, I understand why people are, you know, upset or disappointed in like how 
his credibility was maybe sort of damaged or whatever. But like, you know, that type of thing isn't for everybody. And I think that it's another thing that just sort of flattens wrestling, right? Because yeah. we had something that was like really interesting and unique and over. That's a really key part of it, I think. Because like, I remember being in the building several times, anytime Luchasaurus was out in the ring, anytime the whole crowd was chanting for him, like Arthur yeah. Ashe, the whole crowd was chanting. He was fucking over. I mean, and then you know when they that, changed, like when they changed their theme tune to the whatever it is, whoa, I don't know what it's called. Um, yeah. Apparently it's a very famous song and I don't know what the fuck it is. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, when like you just knew that that was that was going to get the entire audience chanting when they came out throughout the pandemic, and we were all just waiting for that. And when uh, when Jurassic Express came out in the first crowd, they went nuts and they were singing the song. Jurassic Express were over as fuck. Like yeah. their gimmick was absolutely not for me. Um, right. I do not. I I just do not gravitate towards that sort of stuff. Um, but they were over. And they, were they were over. Good, and they were putting good matches and they were um they had everyone eating out the palm of their hands and when they broke them up and changed uh, like i prefer jack perry's presentation to jungle boy like um as it is now but i don't prefer luchasaurus's which is amusing because i fucking hated that dinosaur gimmick <laughs> i but yeah and like i understand you know it wasn't for you you didn't really dig it but yeah, it was super over and it was unique. It was a unique presentation. There it wasn't was. any other teams that were quite like them. Everybody was really, really into them. And they then they were given pyro. They were given pyro. Exactly. And so and all of this. And then and then you took it away and then you gave them something that like yeah maybe aesthetically was more in line with like more serious wrestling i guess but it it took away everything that was like fun and unique and interesting yeah. about them like you may prefer jack perry's presentation now but like i would argue that it's not more interesting than being jungle boy as part of jurassic express yeah and like i do get like i i'm not even sure i can disagree with it like yeah. um after having just discussed how woeful he's been on the mic. <laughs> like, <laughs> those are those are not compatible viewpoints to disagree with you, but also some of those views. Um no, I get it. Um they need to have different like that's why AW was, right? It was a variety show when it started. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I and feel I didn't like, like the... everything on it. But yeah. um, I love the show. Exactly. And like, I feel like they've lost a lot of that. I feel like they've lost a lot of the things that have made them unique. Like some of it is still yeah. there, but it's definitely not the focus. Like the focus has been flattening and generalizing things. Like that's where the trend has been lately. I feel like, um, I like, I know that there's a lot of create like creative control. I don't think that it's necessarily like Tony Khan is making people do this, I think that there might be like a ceiling for that, that sort of gimmick with the AEW crowd that is lower than the talent that a lot of these people have. And that's not a criticism of the gimmick. It's, I guess, just a reality of the crowd at AEW. Like Chris Statlander was 
definitely more like i don't like i, I don't want to trying to think of a way to say it. i don't want to like say that the that the reason that she got over was to change from like the alien nonsense to the more serious chris statlander it, because she got over during that period but people bought into her more once she started um taking little pieces of that away and like gradually transitioning into the statlander that um was so over in the own own heart tournament i think it's maybe just wrestlers changing their gimmick a little bit so that they can reach like the point in the card that their potential allows them to and that is a little bit sad but i think that that might actually just be happening i i don't know that i agree with that i feel like I feel like there is sort of a perception that like certain kinds of wrestlers can be at the top of the card. Right. And so we push those certain kinds of wrestlers. And like when you have one guy who has the most creative control, like his idea of what the top of the card looks like is just going to be what the top of the card looks like. But that's just like when you see wrestling you know, kind of outside of the TV bubble and, like, outside of the bubble of, like, one guy with a billion dollars, like, gets to decide what's cool or not. Like, that's just, like, kind of not how it works. Like, when people are over, they are over. Like, if they have a goofy gimmick, but, like, and if they have a goofy gimmick and a lot of talent, like, they get over with their talent and their goofy gimmick. Like, I just... and. And, like, this whole idea of, like, top of the card versus mid-card or whatever, like, that's just kind of, like, where somebody has decided to put you. But that doesn't mean that, you know, you can't carry a belt or you can't end a paper for you or you can't do this and that. I feel like the elite especially are are huge examples of this because like they're goofy as hell they're always goofy all the time consistently and people get really mad about it but like everybody likes their matches (laughs) right everybody has fun with it you know they got here they got here based on being goofy they got here based on on having storylines about dick pics on their video vlog their youtube vlog right yeah and so like i like i don't accept the explanation where it's just like oh that's too this or that's too that or that's too goofy like it's over but it's not over enough to be it like that doesn't make sense to me either it's over it's not right oh uh, yeah um i'm not saying like what i said is right right or or that it's should be the way that it is i just think that that is what is happening yeah it might very well be that that's what's happening but that's why i personally think that i agree i agree with your reasoning like yeah yeah like um but i just think that that is what is happening at the moment like people are flattening the curve i guess um to get to a place where they can be a champion which um we've seen that goofy shit can be champions and over as fuck like the the acclaimed were recently champions the guns were champions there the are no two should have should still be champions they should they absolutely by the way should. 
Yeah, I, I just think that's what's happening. And I, unfortunately, it's hammered uh, Jurassic Express and a few other people as well. But um, I think that this is just what the AEW audience large, the, I don't know, the, you know, the middle of the curve AEW fan wants. And I know that I am guilty of that because I prefer more serious presentations. I mean, like, is that what the AEW crowd wants? Or is it, like, the people who like the more kind of, like, off-the-wall, sort of unique, sort of innovative stuff are dropping off? Because all of the things that they like are being flattened. Like, I will say that, you know, just because... I'm not saying get rid of things that have generic appeal, but I think that, you know, a show can survive or even thrive on having things that have generic appeal and then appealing to, you know, more niche audiences alongside that. And I think that the opposite is less true. I think that the more you make your appeal generic and the like the, the more generic your product is, just like the the flatter that it is, the less exciting that it is. You know what I mean? Ubisoft, so Ubisoft games. Exactly. Exactly. And so like I worry about AEW becoming uh, yet another open world RPG. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I climb the championship on the radio tower match. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Um, I agree. Um, yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a shame. Like I, I obviously enjoy the more serious presentations, but um, the goofy shit was often the best parts of AEW in the early days. You know, like the orange Orange Cassidy ignoring a bathroom brawl and all that kind of stuff. Like those yeah. are still the best moments from AEW. Sue flipping people off. I mean the pop that she got recently when she returned was you know people love it exactly um, like you don't want to do it to death but like so many of the iconic moments are the ones where people could like let lo- loose and be a little yeah. goofy about it right and like i'm not saying do it to death and i'm I, obviously like i love the things that are serious presentations like i love blackpool combat combat club i love john moxley but, like, John Moxley is, like, also not – one of the reasons why I like John Moxley is that he's not afraid to, like, kind of break from, like, this super serious Gur arg yeah. sort of, like, monster wrestler guy. Like, he can, you know, laugh at himself. He can do something goofy. He can do, like, an entire match centered around the mechanics of kissing Effie in the middle of the ring. Like, he has range is what I'm saying. And yeah, I think he does. And I think that range, I think, range in the show, range in wrestlers, I think that's, you know, kind of the important thing with that. But yeah, yeah. That's what I think anyway. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, something that I do like, I don't know how you feel. I've been back and forth on this whole... um, outcasts and original story um, i was like really into it and then i was like kind of down on it i'm i'm back i'm back in i'm back in when the outcasts came in all in space buns and then they had that great tag match in pittsburgh i was like i'm back baby 
<laughs> Let's go. I'm re- yeah. I'm. I haven't like been down on the story at all since it started. Um, Maybe I not mean, down, uh, but a little wary. I think at one point. I was kind of hoping that Tony Khan wasn't going to fuck it up because actually there's like as much talent in that story as there is in the rest of the roster. Like yeah. I was really, really, you know, like I was really hoping that they didn't fuck it up. And he brought Sheeta back. That was so it, good. That felt. Has so she actually good. been on TV this year? Oh, this year? Oh God, I don't even know. I don't know. Like, um, I was not much if so. And like, um, turned to my wife and I was like, "Holy fuck!" He remembered she does employed by him. <laughs> I'm so and happy it... to see her back. I would have yes. honestly, like, I would have been. A lot of people were like, "I would if if Sheeta had stuck with the outcasts, I would have rioted. I would have bought in." That right? was I... that was me when she was doing that. I was like, "Fuck off! Fuck off! Fuck <laughs> off!" And then I seen Britt Baker coming back, and I was like, "Ah, oh, that's good." <laughs> I would have let it play like... out. I would have let it play out, but it was really good the way that they did it. It was, it was. really really good. To like between. Those are like I know we we spoke highly of the pillar story earlier on, but like that and the elite have kept me going through this pay per view cycle in large part. Like this has been yes. a fantastic story. It's been a great story. I've been enjoying it. I love, uh, I love, I love all of these wrestlers like a lot, yeah. a lot. I I think I like Soraya. Tony and Ruby as like a team have really grown on me. I really like I really like the beats that they've taken. Uh I've just it's been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I loved I loved that tag match that they had in Pittsburgh. And that was like fantastic. And and like I I really I've heard I've heard like mixed reviews on the angle with Britt and Adam and I'm always a little wary about having, you know, IRL couples on screen, but I really loved that. Um Did you? I did. I really did. did. I liked the segment like, a lot. I I don't know why it was, but there was a proper glass shatter moment for me when Adam Cole was like begging them not oh, that was my assault, favorite part. <laughs> right? I was like, this does not happen to me very often in wrestling. But when we, he was doing that, it's maybe just because he couldn't act in that, in, like that bit. I, I don't know what it was, but I was, I went, just turned down. I was like, this is cringe as fuck. This maybe it's because worst. I'm cringe as fuck. Maybe it's because <laughs> I'm cringe as fuck, but I loved it. I was like, yes, give me the drama. I love it. When a man I had is... an out of body experience, and I had secondhand embarrassment for myself watching no. that. Embrace the cringe. I love it when a man is handcuffed to a rope and screaming for his <laughs> loved one who's being tormented in front of him. Like, what? What could be better? Why are we here if not for that? I ask you. This is what it's all about, Alex. <laughs> It took me fucking ten minutes to recover from that and to re to start enjoying the show again. Listen, listen. You need to cringe that within yourself that cringes cringe. You need to. Right. I like cringe. I like cringe comedy. But this was. <laughs> this, I do. It's... I like cringe comedy. But this was an attempt at seriousness, and it was like. I love it. 
It I was like it. Thomas. It was like Tom Hardy trying to show range. It was bad. I love it. No, I love it. I love it. Listen, I, I, I have watched every episode of BTE. Cringe has been killed in my soul. <laughs> right. I love BTE. BTE is the best. BTE uh, is the best, but it is often cringe. Like you it got is. it. H- hence my point. I love cringe. However, <laughs> this was the wrong cringe. This no, was fucking right. brutal. It was it was it hit just right. It was delicious. Nom 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 nom. I loved it. It was really good. I also loved the follow-up uh this this week with <laughs> so when when um Jericho came out wearing that shirt, which we can talk about that for a second if if you want to. Yes. Jericho came out wearing that shirt and like Adam had like demon eyes on. <laughs> He was glowing with rage, and I just like. Sorry, uh, Adam calls demonized when he (laughs) called out Jericho. Was it? It was either this week or last week, but his promos with Jericho have been fucking great. Like so good. It's so um, good. He like this is the Adam call that I remember from NXT Gold. Like yeah, and it's Adam call that I've been wanting to see since he debuted in AEW, and I guess that is probably a controversial statement that I actually haven't enjoyed Adam Cole since he, since he debuted. Like, it's certainly controversial controversial in my house. I, I've loved Adam Cole since he's been here. But then again, like I love his stuff with the Elite. So I liked but, his I liked his stuff on BTE. I just didn't haven't really enjoyed it that much in on TV. But sorry, carry on. Yeah. But when he, like, when he had his, when he was glowing with rage, it was such, like, an interesting character beat for me that he was, like, glaring at Jericho, but he stayed, he focused on the match in front of him, he won the match in front of him, and then he immediately ran out of the ring to attack him. Like, I thought that was so good. Like, as a yeah. character beat, as a moment, as a segment, like, I thought it was really, it, it hit just right for me. It, it was, was really, really good. good. It was, like, controlled rage, like, channeling his rage into the match. It was really yeah. good. Yeah, it was really good. I really loved it. Uh, Jericho could stand to shut the fuck up some, but otherwise, I really liked it. You know, like, it, if he could just use his indoor voice, like... That, that that like I get that Jericho is never gonna shut the fuck up, but no. like, could, if he could just use his indoor voice when he's on commentary and not like cause a fucking autistic sensory meltdown, that would be grand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be that would be a good. Uh, that, that's that literally good all I ask from Jericho. Clear. Yeah. Like, um, but no, like I've actually enjoyed that this this story. When I heard they, when I seen they was going to be feuding with Jericho, I was like, not another one. Right. This has been but good. This though. has been good. Yeah. This has been and good. And it, though. I like the way that it's tied into the. Um, I have liked that it has been tied into the the um, not the outsiders, uh, okay. the outcasts. That's a very the outsiders are a very different promotion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's like short, I guess that's why I've quite liked the the storyline um, outcasts because it has been multi-layered. There's been more than like it's it's bled into other people's feuds. It's been done really well, and we've yeah. not had that in the women's division. We like, haven't. We're just not. Um, 
and this was actually kind of, I guess, my hope for when they signed Soraya. It, like, it was my hope. If not, I didn't think, it, I wasn't sure it was going to happen, that it was going to force Tony to, like, put actual stories together for the women's division. It, he has, and it's been he great. Has. He has against all odds. Yeah, I will admit. <laughs> it is against all odds. <laughs> against all odds. I will admit to being a little bit. So, like, during that segment when, like, you know, Adam was yelling for Brit, I, I admit to being, you know, a little annoyed because it's like, oh, it's like that saying we have to bring in the outcast because we have to have the girls beat up Brit because, like, I was, yeah. like, really, like, poo pooing it. I was really annoyed about it. Um, and then, like, all of that kerfuffle happened with, like, Brit's shirt and I was like oh oh I see <laughs> I see <laughs> I don't know whether to keep this in the podcast or not but I think that it has like the obviously the image that was on the shirt evoked connotations of domestic abuse and there I have seen pictures of domestic abuse that have been remarkably similar to that so I understand the issues that people have had with that shirt but as um like my my wife was saying to me earlier on that the issue that she has with that is that it paints women as inherently victimized uh, and I agree with that I I will say that I um definitely fall more along like your wife's side of things yeah. because here here here's how it is for me right so I'm looking I'm looking at Britt Baker right who takes great pride in the shirts that she has made of herself and her like the injuries that she's gotten yeah. in wrestling right just like covered in blood her nose busted open like those are like big moments for her those are moments that she's proud of those are images that she's proud of like those are I actually like, own one yeah and it's like it's like the proud it's like the like the pride of like having battle scars right you know she's a yeah. combatant um and and so I think that if we're talking about Britt Baker, who is like always like displaying like her her injuries on her shirts and like showing it as like a, a thing of power. If I'm Britt Baker, I'm not thinking twice before making that a shirt. Right. Oh, I'm not even considering yeah. it. Right. And like I can't imagine the frustration of being a wrestler, of being a combatant. Like your your a whole thing is to like present yourself as somebody who fights, who is yeah. a fighter, who is like making an image of yourself who, you know, I lost this fight, but I'm I'm coming for you. Right? Like that sort of thing. And to then like have to think about but what if people think i'm a victim or like yeah. and then like have to think about and like for me like this is a thing that boxes in only women this is a thing that boxes in only women wrestlers because she's absolutely right if it was a man who put his black eye on a t-shirt nobody would have said shit about it and this idea of like this image looks like domestic violence is used a lot in in women's wrestling specifically. Um, and it's used, it's employed in a manner that does not um, uplift women. It does not give women more agency. It does not, you know, better their careers or better their oh. prospects. 
It does not, it doesn't help anyone. And it's this stripping of context that really kind of like only has one effect. And it's making women in wrestling on TV in matches smaller. Um, And it's a stick to beat them with. Right. And I think, I think I understand looking at that shirt and being uncomfortable. And I understand not liking the idea of some dude wearing that shirt out of context in public. Like I get that a hundred percent, but like, are we in this desire to protect women actually helping women in a material way or so are that, we holding them back so yeah like that was kind of the position that i fell on like yeah people are applying social issues to to a subject it doesn't apply to yeah and Nobody would have made this comment if it had been a shirt that had been made following a Ronda Rousey fight. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I think they should have expected the 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 issues. I get that, but like I also because like they aired that shirt on Dynamite first before it was ever a problem. Like the outcasts yes, were wearing did. it. Yeah, they aired that shirt, and I looked at the shirt, and it didn't it didn't spark anything like that in my brain right like oh. i like i saw like what it was on face value in the context of a wrestling show and i was like oh as part of this story these people are mocking this person that they attacked yes and that like when i seen Soraya's tweet i fucking buckled like because it was <laughs> the, the because of the picture of adam cole <laughs> I don't know if you've seen see, that. It was just fantastic. I didn't see just, that tweet. No. So there's a picture. Good. There's a picture of the uh, outcast wearing that picture, and then the second picture is just Adam Cole looking like really, really sad whilst they like looking at the middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> it is fantastic. That's really good. That's really good. That's really good. It's like a being the elite skit in picture format, and it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But that was like, I mean, to me, it's pretty much a a non-troversy. I don't want to spend like too much time on it. I will just like end that off with like, listen, if that if if that picture makes you uncomfortable, like, I think that's super valid. I totally get it. There are lots of things in like art and storytelling and entertainment and whatever that makes me uncomfortable but like uncomfortable doesn't necessarily mean wrong or bad yeah no um and and yeah yeah i think it yeah it definitely made people uncomfortable didn't make me uncomfortable it was more just like i can't believe that didn't get sensitivity checked kind of thing yeah again like that that was just that was my reaction like um i don't think that would have made it to release in any other company but Again, like, gonna lose their fucking shit about this. That should have been, and they should have seen that coming, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Although, like, and I will say, on the other hand, like, living in constant fear. Like, remember that time that like everybody was all mad about Adam Cole mocking Christianity because he wore a crown of thorns on uh fucking Easter or whatever during that match. 
Oh yeah, oh, people yes. got all yes. people got yes. all mad about that. Like people get mad about stuff. People love getting mad about stuff. So it's like you can't like yes, like on one hand, like you do want to be sensitive and like you do want to be thoughtful in what you're putting out there, right? You do want to be considered, you do want to be measured, but you don't want to just be like, oh, I never want to do a controversy. Because that's yes. boring. <laughs> yeah. No, I got you know that. What I mean? yeah. So but yeah, it was a um there was a lot of bad faith takes as well. So bad faith takes in a discussion about AEW? I know, it's it ain't almost so. un- it's almost unheard of. Almost unheard of. Nobody has deliberately bad faith takes when they're talking about AEW. I've never seen that before. Speaking of people uh, never having bad faith takes about a subject ever for any reason, the elite. That was the exact <laughs> same transition I was about to make. <laughs> so on the same page. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Love this. <laughs> um, yes, they, their story has been fantastic. It's been wonderful. Um, it's been wonderful. And I am loving the smarmy Don Callis as well. Oh, and, that's so um, good. I honestly cannot wait until he backstabs Kenny because it's going to be so good. It's it's going to be really delicious. One thing that really struck me about Kenny's promo um, this week, besides the fact that um, we said we were going to hear from the elite and we only heard from Kenny, which... Mm, uh, I wasn't happy about, but that's just because I want to see the Bucks every week. Um, one of the things that really, uh, really struck me about that promo was that Kenny was like, you know, you hurt my friends, you hurt the young Bucks, and you hurt Don. Like that really, yeah. Like it was like it was, but more importantly, Don. Like, that's just, like, really, like, that's a really interesting tidbit to me. And that's something that he's been doing pretty consistently since Don entered into his life. Like, he's kind of, like, taken sort of the top spot in his life. Yeah. Um, While at the same time, he's getting incredibly mad at the Young Bucks for having friends who are not him. Um, yes. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the stuff on being the elite with him getting absolutely raging because the young bucks want are arguing with the dark old order who's better friends with uh, with Paige. Beautiful, beautiful <laughs> shifts kiss. Nobody I love the consistent characterization. It was so He's, good. <laughs> Kenny's been fantastic since he came hey. back. Oh, Kenny's oh god, Kenny's been fantastic in all ways since he came back. Uh. I, th- this elite story is like really cooking right now. Yeah. Like, it's been like, this is why, you know, like when they first came back and during the best of seven, and people are like, they don't have a story, they don't have a story. And I was like, they have these periods of time where they're just kind of chilling, they're just kind of vibing. I'm not really worried about it. Um, and I knew, I knew we would get to this point right here where like things are really cooking. This this motif of the screwdriver I've been really enjoying. Um, the uh, like every like. The, can we talk about the cheese puffs? I would like to talk about the cheese puffs. The cheese puffs. The cheese puffs. 
So first of all, <laughs> that te- that original text message that they showed where like um hangman is leaving uh uno on red like i'm pretty sure like that was like a real text message thread where he just like put something random over and over and over again so it would show on the screen and then in like prime bte fashion that turned into a significant plot point they do shit like this all the time right they just take a bit and run with it um I really, I was really interested in, in, in the cheese puff thing. This is Kenny's DM all over again, right? Where it's yeah. just on its face, extremely goofy. But you know, that storyline where Kenny sent a dick pic ended up with a man dead. So this is extremely <laughs> serious business. <laughs> There's just something so interesting to me about Matt spending all of last BTE sort of like clutching the cheese puffs to his chest like the whole time, right? He's just clutching them to himself. He's talking about how Hangman's one of his best friends and how much he cares about Hangman. And yet he has this thing that Hangman wants and has been looking for so much. Like he he really wants it. And and Matt knows exactly where he is. He has it. It's in it's in his lap. He's carrying it with him. Everybody's in and and like whenever anybody asks about it, he like deflects them and he's not telling anybody and he's really secretive about it. And then he like sneaks up to his hotel room and like this shot of him sitting in the dark, staring into the void stuffing cheese puffs in his mouth as he consumes the thing that a hangman is looking for. So, um, it was real evocative for me. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah, yeah. Like, obviously, it's hilarious, but, like, this whole thing, which is, like, where does Hangman stand with the Bucks? Where does Hangman stand with Kenny? Uh, the elite in general? Like, all of this stuff. Like, it's very much an open question. Like, I don't think we're going to have a linear path in, like, any particular direction. Like, some people are saying, you know, the elite are going to come back together soon by, like, this pay-per-view or that pay-per-view or this third pay-per-view. Or they're going to split up and feud and it's going to be these people against these people. And all of that is, like, to me, it's pretty incidental to, like, what are the emotional beats we're going to hit with this, right? I think, like, this is not obviously going to be resolved at this pay-per-view. Oh, no! Like, my expectation is that we might see Kota uh, all in. Uh Um. Or around about that time, I think that like it's gonna kind of um, I, I like I obviously don't know how we're gonna get there because they but they've opened that thread now with um, with the pulling of Kenny in multiple directions and Takeshita wearing the Kota gear, um, like there's obviously something cooking there. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how we get there. Because Kenny's been pulled in different directions. There are people trying to like make him reconcile with Paige. There's um, the person that he's putting above everyone else, trying to manipulate him. And 
also simultaneously seemingly putting more of his eggs in the Takeshita basket. Like Yeah, yeah. Like there seem like it feels like it's gonna be like the sort of story where um Penny realizes who has always been there for him kind of thing. I would love for that to happen. My big bugbear with the elite story and like not in like a bad way, but the thing that's like really got my goat like this whole time about the elite story is sort of like how the civil war was quote unquote resolved. Yeah. So I kind of like watched through the whole thing. Right. And the thing that really struck me is that when we had the young bucks versus the golden lovers, right. In 2018, the central conflict there was that the Bucks had been by Kenny's side for years at that point during yeah. like the most grueling and most successful period of his career during like the whole Alcada feud during everything. Like they were doing everything together. They were going on tours together. They were side by side this whole time. And then the minute that Coda decides that he wants that 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 he wants to come back. Kenny just focuses all of his time and energy on Coda. And in the process of doing it, kind of belittles them as wrestlers, right? Because Kenny's like, we're the best wrestlers in the world. Like we're the best tag team wrestlers in the world. Kind of like not really acknowledging the Bucks, who he had up until yeah. that point always referred to as the best tag team wrestlers in the world. And then would sort of like continuously refer to them as like great junior tag team wrestlers. <laughs> That was like a th like that was like a thing that he kept yeah. doing. So like not only did they feel abandoned by him, they felt belittled by him. Yeah. And you know, acted out um in in ways that that you know may or may not be understandable. But like that was sort of like the central conflict there. And then they never got an acknowledgement of that part of things from Kenny like they never got an acknowledgement of like this is why they were upset this is why they felt belittled this is why they felt lessened in in his eyes um and like he never sort of reached out to them like during like at, at the when Kenny finally wore like when Kenny finally won the heavyweight title um and they came out to celebrate with him like they weren't ringside for his match with with Okada for the first time since the series began. Yeah. Right. And they reached out to him, but he kind of didn't really meet them halfway. Um, like in the months leading up to that, they would talk about how Kenny was basically just ghosting them. And in BTE, they, you know, asked about being re uh, ringside. They didn't really get a response. And there was a segment of them kind of being like, well, we're backstage. We're going to be watching. We love you. And then like, just kind of nothing. And then they just came out and then everybody's together and everybody's happy and everything's great. But like, I never forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I never forgot that like Kenny never acknowledged that they felt hurt, that they felt belittled. And then he did it again in 2020 and into 2021 
when he won that belt like that yeah. whole point where like the bucks were kind of like wibbling about turning heel the point wasn't that they were avoiding turning heel the point was like they weren't feeling like equal partners to kenny yeah and he wouldn't talk to them and he wouldn't give them that respect and he wouldn't give them that time and attention and he belittled them until they capitulated yeah like that and don is trying to repeat that just now right and so so we just so for me underlying all of this tension with the elite and all of this tension from kenny when the bucks are like trying to like reconnect with hangman is like this underlying kind of like fracture in their relationship which is like they never solved the fundamental argument that they had during the Young Bucks versus the Golden Lovers. And I think that that's going to be a factor in how this comes down. And I don't think that any part of it will be helped when Ibushi shows up. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I am too. I think it's going to be an even bigger mess. It's the... <laughs> sheer bewilderment that Ibushi has when people are pissed at him as well he just think, sells it really well yeah I do think he knows more than than he lets on I do think he knows a lot more than he lets on which I think is like really interesting about his character um because like he definitely like had a very antagonistic part of that feud um, yes. He would he would drag Kenny away from conversations the way that he was he would brutally attack Matt's weak points during their match together. Um, so like he's definitely you know a force. He he definitely has intentions. Yes. Um, so and it's hard to predict what they are because he still is a very mysterious figure. I think in this story. Um, but I yeah, just say, though, just... like the pops that we have had for some wrestlers when they've debuted, when oh Kota debuts, the, they're gonna blow the roof off. They're gonna like, blow the roof yeah, off. Yeah, like, if if Wembley Stadium's roof is closed, it will be broken. We will be able to register that pop on the Richter scale. <laughs> <laughs> there are not 100%. many wrestlers in the world that are loved like he is. Like I remember writing about CM Punk for wrestling, like one of the few wrestlers in the world that is loved like in a different way. Is there is a quota? He has yeah. that. He has like um, when he had those issues with uh, New Japan, everyone immediately said "fuck New Japan." Like, yeah, at least he is. It... He is loved and he is adored. And when yeah. he debuts, people are gonna go fucking mental. They're gonna go crazy. They're gonna go crazy. They're gonna go wild. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be great. It'll be great when we see him. Um, but like, so for all of my talking of the Elysians now, we didn't talk about the BCC side of things. I am loving what they're doing. I mean, uh, perfect. To, mostly, it's. I wouldn't say perfect. Like no, no, Brian Danielson uh, like, cannot cut a promo. It's true. Like we've already seen a better version of Brian Danielson on the mic um, when he debuted, and he was an absolute prick to Page. That was peak Danielson. That was fantastic. 
Um, what we're getting now is a WWE-fied version of Danielson, and I, it needs to fucking stop. My my hot take is that Danielson has never been good on the mic. I've never liked a Danielson pro- promo. I've never forgiven him for that Kenny No Balls chant, and I never will. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just like, I don't I, think that he's the best on the mic, but he has a presence. He knows how to work the crowd. But this like fickle thing is uh, it, actually sorry, but it's not will... fickle. It's amateur. Like yeah. it, that's what he's shouting. But it's the fickle. Like that. That is how. Uh, that wasn't even intentional. I remember. I don't know if you were watching WWE at the time, but he was doing this fickle chant to the crowd in the exact same inflection, the exact same cadence, and it to me, I was just like, this is. It doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. The thing that I've noticed about Brian Danielson, and I don't know if this is a WWE tick because I don't watch WWE, um, but I have noticed is that he will he will hang on to one concept and he will just sort of like repeat it over and over and over again. Well, this was a this was a Brian this was a Daniel Bryan thing that he did in WWE. Bryan. So like okay. he did the yes chant, the no chant, the fickle chant. And I think there was also one when, like, I, I did, like, I stopped watching WWE in, like, 2000. Yeah. Um, but by that point, there had already been about five dozen Brian Danielson chants that was just him repeating the same thing. And when he started doing that amateur thing and repeating it, I was just like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. I don't like I want, it. I want Brian Danielson. I want Brian Danielson. I don't want Daniel Bryan. I, I also, like... I see I see what they're going for. I see what they're doing with this. Like I see the concept. I'm not a huge fan of the execution and like the way that he like will like pick like one thing or one aspect and really hammer it home. A lot of the times that one thing he picks like gives me really bad bad vibes. Um like it happened with Eddie Kingston. Um it's happened like at other points. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it. So, like, on the one hand, like, I can see what this sort of antagonistic character is and, like, what these accusations that he's leveling at the elite, like, what they function as. But, like, the amateur bit isn't hitting for me. And, like, it also just, like, factually doesn't really work to me. So I'm not enjoying that. I'm not enjoying how that's, like, how that's working for me on the other hand john moxley is here yes he and, so and that heals Newton. all wounds ironically which is ironic because <laughs> because he bleeds oh, all the time i'm actually wondering like i'm a few rows back at wembley and i'm like is that safe enough is he gonna bleed on me he might bleed on you he might bleed on you you don't know i really prefer not to really i don't think anyone's safe yes Yes, definitely yes. <laughs> You're sitting in front rows at, at a wrestling show and you don't want to get blood on? I don't understand. <laughs> That's a perk of sitting front row in my estimation. Well, that is a perk of a GCW show. <laughs> it is a perk of a GCW show, yeah. <laughs> when you buy front couple rows at a D- GCW show, that is implied consent to get blood on. <laughs> It's true. It's true. Um, I, 
sorry, going back to BCC, I I do like the Daniel that what they're doing. So like that the the initial idea of like this obviously doesn't apply to the Unbucks. It's more for um, Takeshita and uh, Yuta. But like the initial idea for the uh, the BCC was that they were going to do they were going to emulate like uh, groups from Japan, where mm -hmm. there was um, lot like a group of veterans who are at the top of the pyramid, but they wanted to use their positions to get younger talent over and to the point and like start the, elevate them a little bit and give them the experience necessary to become what they would later become. Mm -hmm. um, and this was the initial thing for the the initial concept for BCC, and it kind of got it got lost in the void of Jericho. Um, like so many things do. It, I like that this is that they're back to that now because they are like the best in AW. Like uh, you know, like they yeah. or they at least represent the best of AW. Brian Danielson is one of the best wrestlers ever, period. It doesn't matter which continent you're speaking about. And him using that position to like elevate Utah, um, to elevate Takeshita is exactly what the BCC can, was concepted for. And it's nice to see it back on that track because people thought that when Regal went that the BCC would be a bit directionless, but they're just taking that idea and running with it. And actually it's nice to see it back to that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really glad that the BCC has stuck. I miss Regal so much, but I'm really glad that they've stuck to like this really solid yeah. concept and, and focus. And they're just they're just doing amazingly. Um and yeah, yeah. And I, I I'm really I'm <clears throat> I'm really looking forward to this uh to this steel cage match between Mox and Kenny. That's gonna be so good. I, yeah, and I don't know what's going to happen. Like a little bit of me thinks that we're gonna get, we're gonna maybe get to see a little bit of, I don't know, whether Takashita kind of does Kenny dirty inadvertently, but well, in quotes inadvertently, or we're, whether we're gonna get to see something, some tension between Kenny and uh, Don as a result of this. But I, I don't know. That's what I like. That's what yeah. I like about the elite stories. Like, I don't know how they're going to go. I don't know when they're going to pull the trigger on certain things. And I don't know, like, um, how they're going to get to those trigger points. Yeah, yeah. I will say, like, when it comes to the elite story, I can almost never predict specifics. Yeah. But I can predict when we're going to get, like, a really significant story beat. And, like, this is definitely going to be one of them. I think whatever yeah. happens, it's going to be, like, one of those sort of status quo changing sorts of things, like, I think. It, given the proximity to the pay-per-view, it has to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it's not on pay-per-view just means that they're setting up for something bigger. Yeah. Uh, I would imagine that we'll see Paige next week. Um almost certainly almost yeah. certainly and that's going to be a big part of it because you know like kenny's not really on board with Paige, and the bucks are and that's going to have to come to a head soon yeah um oh my god i loved uh the the segment where like <sighs> where so so the the elite attack bcc and the bucks 
are holding onto Mox's arms like they're going to get revenge, uh. right? And like Kenny goes to get at him with the screwdriver, and Takeshi's like, no, 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 wait, 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 stop, 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 stop. And like it all turns into disaster. Like I love, I love the the image, the concept, the aesthetic of the elite just like being these little monsters, right? And like they want they they have this sort of new friend or or satellite or hanger on or whatever. And they're just like sweet cinnamon roll too good for this world. <laughs> and it just like wrecks the whole vibe. I just I just I, I love ah, I love it. I love it when the elite are evil. Um I love that the elite are still being evil even though they're ostensibly quote unquote baby faces in this feud. I love that the BCC are the heels now even though they've always behaved this way. <laughs> really yeah, in some capacity or another. Um Yeah, they they have absolutely never been faces. No, no, they haven't. People have just liked them a lot. Um and that's great. I love that. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that in my estimation. Oh. People just people just think violence is cool and good, and that's why they like Mox, among many, many other reasons. And um, I agree. Why I love Jay White. He is an absolute ballad. Oh. Right, exactly. We love we love a lot of these characters uh, because they're the worst. Like I love the elite and the young bucks in this storyline because they're like really bad friends consistently. <laughs> Oh, they are. They're absolutely the worst. Like Ma, they're the worst. Ma, like Ma, um, with the um, in the trios match with, like we've spoken about this before when he tried to tag in Nick. Yeah. Like they are the worst to each other. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're 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 the best. Um, they're the best at being the worst. But like, and like that's like the really compelling part of this whole tension with Hangman, which is just like this is one of our best friends, and we want to be friends again. And you know, we're talking uh, again. We have a group chat called the Hung Buck Sixty Nine, and and I know where the cheese puffs are. And oh, is he leaving you on red? Oh, that's so sad. We'll definitely talk there's, to him about to <laughs> about that. There's also like on little, there's little threads as well, like um. When Alex Reynolds whispered into Matt's ear and being the elite, it was definitely left open for interpretation because that could have been a BTE moment where that was cheese puffs bullshit, or it could have right. been something uh, more specific about um, like things that they have done to Paige, or is uh, Matt finally going to show Kenny Omega the footage of where the, when they could have stopped um, Paige from winning the championship, kind of thing. Right, right. The thing, and, like, the thing also is, like, BTE Cheese Puffs bullshit, like, is the story. Like, you can't, <laughs> you can't separate it. It's just, like, the dick pic. Like, it, 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 it is a funny joke until it is very serious. And it's, like, it is, it, it is all of a piece. It is all woven together. You cannot separate the Cheese Puffs bullshit from the dramatic battles of wills and like interpersonal drama and woes of friendship. Like you can't separate these things. They must go together. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's yeah. like, like, yeah, they're, they want to be friends, but he's still a selfish dick. Right. Right. Yeah. 
yeah, they want they want to be friends with Hangman, but historically they have been the worst friends that Hangman has ever had. And will that change? <laughs> Probably oh. not. <laughs> oh, cheese puffs suggest otherwise. Cheese puffs suggest otherwise. Exactly. That's the he- that's um the the title of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the cheese puffs say otherwise. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, so this story with the BCC is really cooking, and there are so many matches that we could have that we haven't had yet in this feud. Like Kenny, Kenny and Mox in the ring together, it's always fucking magic. So like this cage match, it's going to be incredible. But there's like so much stuff. We'll probably get a blood and guts out of this, I would imagine. I hope so. Um, I, mean, I hope so, but like they tend to only have one a year, and actually, I would really like for that to be. The, um, the outcasts i agree i agree i've heard people like uh like bat around the idea of like having a stadium stampede at wembley which i think would be a good idea uh, yes and no so long yeah, as they I turn see. The, so so long as they turn the fucking music off this time <laughs> fair enough um but i yeah, I mean, there are so many ways that they they can go. There are so many beats that they can hit. Like, um, there's actually I, like quite a few bits at Wembley as well that they could do that they could jump off and do stupid shit off. Actually, there's the bit where the where they where teams collect the collect trophies. It's like up in the stand. Yeah, yeah, and like, and they're so creative with like their environments when it comes to matches like these or like any kinds of matches. They, they like they've always shown that they can be really, really creative, like with the environment that they're in. So Wembley would be like a great place to show that off, you know, being such a significant like place that they're, that they're holding it in. So, yeah. And I just, um, I'm really, I'm really, I really love that. Like I, I wish so much that the elite and house of black could have had a a more meaty feud, but I love this elite versus Blackpool combat club. It's got a whole bunch of my favorite people all together. I just, I love to see Moxley. I love to see the elite. And I think that they are, I think that they're using this story to sort of, get some stuff off their chest. I think that there is a, yeah. a, a cathartic element that is happening in this story, you know, where this is where they can, they can talk. They can't talk in other ways. So they're talking through their art. Yeah. Um, and I, I really appreciate that part about it too. So I'm just so excited about, about this. I'm just happy to have the elite back on the top of the card, to be honest. They are, yeah. um, like i don't know they're the best of AEW, right um, yeah whether that's in the ring or in terms of storytelling like yeah they don't nobody else in AEW puts the entire package together as well as the elite and like i know that other people other people have their favorites but um their storytelling is second to none in AEW. I yeah I agree. I mean they literally put the elite in all elite wrestling, and it really shows. And just like the way that they've always been able to like innovate and remix and just like tell really interesting stories and and really 
not just tell stories, but the way that they tell stories, the way that they use their mediums in order to tell stories, the way that their their voice and their senses of humor and everything really shines through. Um, it's really, it feels really, really good to be back in the middle of just like a really cooking elite story. It just feels really good. Um, we are running out of recording time. <laughs> that's uh, probably a good time to, to call it on a nice positive note yeah yeah for sure <laughs> thank you for listening to All Elite Listening please follow our other podcasts on the Wrestling Network, on the Indies Into the Wrestleverse, Flight of Five Noob Japan and the Ocean Cyclone Show, simply search Wrestling wherever you listen to your podcasts and thank you for joining us today. With me today has been MX. You can find me, MX, at Fake Sport Feel, and you should also watch on the Indies. And you can find me on Twitter at Alex underscore M197. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for joining us. Bye.